Welcome to the Thundercast, your martial athletics podcast produced by the fans, for the fans, with your hosts, Russ Livingood and KD Hudnall. We're bringing you the thundering word on the thundering herd each and every week. So keep it right here. The Thundercast is on the loose. Thanks for downloading another episode of the Thundercast. Find us on Twitter at Thundercast underscore pod. You know, the position group breakdown series has been pretty popular. I can tell that folks really enjoy it. Our listener numbers have gone up just about every single week, if not every week that we've been doing this. But you know what? We figured let's let's hold off a week since fall camp just started. Let's try to get into this a little bit before we do our final position group breakdown, which is the quarterbacks, because that's what everybody wants to know about. That's what uh, is the, the big question hanging over this football team this season. So let's let the summer session, the fall session, get into it a little bit and give our quarterbacks an opportunity to shine a little bit. Uh, let's get them, give them an opportunity to separate from one another a little bit before we break it down and talk about it in depth. So along those lines, we open up the mailbag this week, and we're going to answer some more listener questions. Of course, we're going to do the five things, and we're going to take it around the herd because, hey, our teams are starting to get back on the field of play. So we've actually got a few games to talk about, exhibitions, be it some scheduling news and a little bit of recruiting news. Uh, But before we get into this jam-packed episode, let's get a quick word from our sponsor, 304carrec.com. If you've been hurt in a wreck, visit 304carwreck.com on the web or on Facebook. You can't stop a bad driver from crashing into you and making you a victim, but when you're hurt and you try to deal with the insurance companies alone, you set yourself up to be a victim again. Don't be a victim twice. Jason and Matt can't protect you from bad drivers, but they can protect you from the insurance companies. Find them at 304carwreck.com. Okay, uh, tons of stuff to talk about this week. We got some really good questions submitted via the Twitterverse, and uh, I'm looking forward to answering some of those. But we got a little bit of news that we need to share. And by this point, if you've been listening to the Thundercast for any length of time, you know that there are a few things that we are all about on this show. Primarily, we are all about the entire herd athletics department. We want everybody to be a fan, become a fan, or be an even bigger fan of all martial athletic teams. And also, we have made it our personal mission to try to increase the donor base of the Big Green and help pump those numbers up to where we are one of the top, if not the top, donor base in the Sunbelt Conference. And we will not really rest until we can uh, make some waves in that space. But along those lines, this is where the news goes. We've gotten on the radar as a show, as a podcast, and in particularly, my good friend, my brother, Russ Livingood, has gotten onto the radar a little bit more so because of things that he's been doing over the past couple of years, coupled with uh, the onset of this show. And um, also that he lives locally. So I'm going to kick it to Russ here. I'm going to let you let him share what has happened to him. This is really cool. So um, let everybody know what happened, man, because this is pretty awesome. 
Well, um, we have been an advocate for joining the Big Green, and we are passionate about that because, frankly, that's what's going to make our athletic department rise and rise. Uh, we've talked about it quite a bit. And again, using your words, that did kind of put us on the radar. And I was nominated to be on the board of trustees for the Big Green. Um, that was uh, approved. And uh, I'm now on the board of trustees for the Big Green. It's a several different year, you know, commitment that you have. And I couldn't be more proud to be on there. Um, and it's pretty cool. And, uh, you know, I look forward to trying to help grow the big green uh, from a different perspective now. You know, it's kind of like an oversight kind of deal. Um, but it's it's just cool, man. I'm honored. Yeah, it is a really cool thing. I mean, we've been fans forever, you know. And Never. It's, it's, yeah, it's one time. thing to go from being a fan to being a, a, a donor, then moving up from that to being someone like what we're doing now is where we're trying to make a difference in a different capacity. And now you get to even move it a step further and try to make a bigger difference in an even different capacity. But what does that mean really for this show? Honestly, nothing. We will not nothing. change one bit. Yeah. We're going to bring everything to you the way we've been bringing it. Uh, I'm going to continue to have the opinions and, and bring the insights and analysis that we continue to bring uh, the the only thing really that uh, is it's not even going to change because we weren't doing this already, but you can't expect for Russ to go to a meeting, then come out of a meeting and then spill his guts about everything that <laughs> that was just discussed on this yeah. podcast. That's that's egregious and it's not going to happen. Uh, but to that end, when things break that are already out there, we're going to talk about them. So yeah. um, you should just trust that um the um the confidences of the big green will stay the confidences of the big green and everything that we can uh, in good faith bring to you our listeners we will continue to bring you as only the thundercast has continued to bring it to you yeah this show is by fans for fans and that's the way it still is i'm nobody you know i'm not like the president of the big green or anything i'm I'm just kind of on the board, uh, uh, rookie as it were, but yeah, what we talk about, we've never claimed to be insiders. We've claimed to be fans, right? And that's what we're giving you is the fans perspective. So we're commenting on things that are out there. Uh, every now and then we'll have some scoops, but that has been kind of self-generated you know, mm -hmm. uh, not getting anything fed sometimes because of the nature of my day job. I, you know, uh, know when some things are happening with the facilities because of the equipment that I provide. So, uh, nothing is going to change, but yeah, it's just kind of very cool and an honor, uh, to be on there for me. It is very cool. And the only thing that I can say is, uh, congratulations. I mean, I've known you for 25 years and, it's nice to know that there are people like you that are like-minded and, and like me and a lot of other fans that get to have a little bit of representation that'll bring the yeah. type of ideas and viewpoints that folks like ourselves can bring to certain discussions at times. 
the only thing that I can hope is that maybe whenever they uh, announce this fan committee that I can be the counterpart to your big green in that capacity. <laughs> Since I'm, I'm the out-of-towner that offers that viewpoint. So uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But congratulations are in order. It's super cool. And uh, hell, man, let's just get into the freaking five things this week. So tell me five things every Herd fan needs to know this week. As always, these are brought to you by IgniteLink, the Tri-State's premier IT management team. Um, We could have, you know how we were talking about on our announcement show, we could have maybe 36 things you need to know. (laughs) So this year or this week from one kind of press conference, one day's worth of news from our athletic director, Christian Spears, it makes up the entirety. So we have more than five coming at you, but they're all numbered one. So this week's slightly different. Number one, Christian Spears had the press conference uh, with the Board of Governors, and that was Tuesday morning, and a slew of news. First one, new basketball floor. We had talked about it even on this show before. We had tweeted about it, uh, but they actually showed a photo of it. It's uh, the court that was just used as a NCAA tournament. Uh, you know, one of the one of the stops there. They purchased that floor from there. Floors have a lifespan of about three sandings, ten years, that sort of thing. So this is a brand new floor that had been used once. Uh, we'll get some good uh, use out of it. The news, we already told you, they were putting some black around the the outsides. Some of the older logos are now our current logos. Thoughts on the floor? I know you've seen it on uh, Twitter. Yeah, I've seen it. As a matter of fact, I'm looking at a photo of it now as we're talking about it. And um, I, I... I like it. I mean, I don't hate it, of course, you know, but it's, it's, it's interesting to see the, uh, the, the uh, pairing of, you know, the natural wood majority of the floor with a majority of black and some Kelly green with a little bit of white spattered in there. Uh, it, it, it looks okay. I, I wonder how it will look inside the Cam Henderson center or what other things will be done to complement the new design of the floor. Yeah. So that's interesting to me. I I love, I love that classic Marshall, you know, the, the seventies style cursive Marshall. I just think that looks so good. I'm glad, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to see that continue to be incorporated from a basketball capacity. It just looks like it belongs there and should never go away from there. The, uh, terminology for Marshall, as far as the branding goes, is that is our script logo uh and anytime that you guys hear us say script logo or that's what we're talking about the uh the font that they're using down there it's not the same font uh that we see thundering herd written out in the marshall thundering herd font uh but uh, yeah those are on the uh the the very ends and the marshall will be on the sideline uh in script yeah it it looks good you know of course in this what I can only assume to be a computer generated rendering. I look really mm-hmm. closely and I, and I didn't see the footprints, but I know they're going to make their return there. <laughs> they, you can't get rid of the footprints. I mean, that's just the coolest thing in the world. So um, count on those making a return. If I was a betting man, I would wholeheartedly bet that those return. 
But yeah, I, is, I think is, I think that's cool. When I first came here to a Marshall game, I can't remember the year, 90, 91, something like that. It was the first basketball game I came to. And immediately that caught my eye as a, a young fan. I was like, what's that? And, you know, they had to, uh, the person that took me to the game had to tell me about Bruce Morris shot and all that stuff. So yeah, I, I hope to see it too. Yeah. I mean, every now and then, um, I put that, I tweet that video out. Like I have uh-huh. the video of that shot being made and um, it, it's cool. It, it, it's one of those things that you hold near and dear because that's, you know, that's an all-time NCAA record. And when you have things like that, you got to showcase that. But I like the new floor. I tell you what I really like more and more every time I see it is the half Kelly green, half black SBC logo. It just looks yeah. so good, man. It does. It does. It, it looks so much better. And I know we're, it's new to us and, you know, we're so happy to be away from Conference USA, but it just looks so much better than that old Conference USA logo. I mean, they had several different logos and this one looks better than all of them. Any, any version that I can imagine. I just love those. So yeah, the new court is pretty dope. You can look around and find it on, on Twitter. Um, maybe I'll let me yeah I'll see if I can grab a photo of it and I'll put it out later too all right right, what's the next thing uh, we're talking about to stay on the uh courts volleyball is getting a new TerraFlex court let me try to explain this without the use of my hands since this episode is Audio only, uh, five foot wide sections that you just roll out and it will go on top of the Henderson Center uh, court. So it will both protect the floor underneath, you know, uh, but also you can store that, roll it out only when you need it, take it to Gullickson, roll it out for practice there. This is the same kind of court that. Uh, you play the NCAA tournaments on. So when we get to that point, we will have played the majority of our season, practiced the majority of our season on this court. I think they said that uh, on Twitter that it would arrive maybe after the first game. So one game is all that we'll have, you know, without it. Uh, Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, being able to accommodate to a new playing surface and then um, gain some familiarity with how that playing surface reacts uh, is a big advantage versus let's say you make it to the NCAA tournament and you've been playing on a basketball court, basically uh, your entire season. And all of a sudden you you go and you're playing on a completely different playing surface. It's got to be a little bit different, right? It Mm -hmm. might not be a hundred percent different, but you know, just think about it in terms of like tennis, you playing on grass versus clay. It's different, Mm -hmm. right? And, and, and there are different tendencies and the ball reacts a different way. And, so any playing surface is different, like playing on natural grass versus field turf in baseball and, or turf and grass in uh, football. It's all different. So this can only be a plus. And if you are fortunate enough, if our volleyball team was fortunate enough to make it to an NCAA tournament or something like that, you would think that would give them a little bit of a leg up in familiarity. So um, anything you can do to raise the um, – I don't know, not I'm, I don't, I don't, the performance level of your teams is just a good thing. And just as a bonus, it protects the hardwood basketball court. So you might get a little bit of extra longevity out of that. So that's a win, 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 chalk them up to win, win, wins. That's a good move. I, I particularly like how it is so portable that they can take it, you know, over to Gullickson and practice there, or they do, uh, 
you know, quite a bit of camps over there in Gullickson, that sort mm -hmm. of thing. Now, our next point that I'm talking about will show you why they can't do that so much right now, but uh, in the future, being able to take it back and forth is really, really super cool because then you don't have to worry about time of, I mean, heck, you could take it over to the, uh, um, the student facility, you know, go over there to the rec center, mm -hmm. uh, you know, take it wherever, you know, anywhere that's big enough to have it, unroll the sections, lock them together, and then boom, you've got your practice court for what you're going to be playing on all year long. Yep. Just a cool All one. right. Let's talk Gullickson just a bit. I've got a customer that has some equipment in there right now, so I went in and checked it out, and it is getting quite the transformation. Just in the upgrades and painting right now, it looks totally, totally different. Uh, I know there's a lot more that they will be doing. You know, this is part of a major um, project that, that Marshall has and the athletic department has to transform that area. And we've heard about it for a long time with regards to a practice court, you know, for the basketball team. What they've got done so far looks great. I can't wait to see it when it's finished. And hopefully I can take some photos. I don't want to be the... You know, the same thing that I did with the turf, I was, you know, just right place, right time. So I'm not looking for a, you know, breaking news story. But if I'm over there and, uh, you know, they say, sure, you can take a photo while we're painting, I'll try to tweet that out. Yeah, I remember you talking about that a few weeks ago. Um, and, you know, just some of the cosmetic changes, which is, you know, the term that we keep using is brand cohesion. Right. Just tying everything together a little bit more. That was just a much needed change in its own right. right but some of the things that they're doing with the floor and you know just just you just need it done i yeah. mean <laughs> it, it's just freaking time you know so it'll be nice to be able to turn that into a playing surface that our uh actual basketball teams can use or our volleyball team can use with the transport transported floor it'll it'll be nice then just to be able to use that for more than just intramurals um yeah in a, in a, from a quality standpoint, you know, yeah. you don't, you don't want to put our guys out there on a subpar playing surface and have something catastrophic happen. Well, now you know that you're going to be able to put them on a floor. That's just as good as the one they're going to play their games on. And the student body gets the benefit of having a nicer place to go play some intramurals as well. Well, and you know, I was going to say 25 years ago when we were playing intramurals in there, up until three weeks ago, it looked almost exactly the same. Uh, but I don't know if they're still doing intramurals there or if they're doing it in the rec center. Yeah, they probably are. They probably are doing a lot in the rec. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. But it, anyway, you've got this facility right there. It's connected to the Henderson Center. You know, it just makes yeah. all the sense in the world to have, you know, women's basketball, men's basketball, and volleyball right there having a facility that they can use, you know, both. Yeah, Marshall has long needed an, an auxiliary gym. And, it, you know, once the rec was built, um, it became a matter of time and, and necessity to transform Gullickson into that auxiliary gym. And it's, it's kind of a shame that it's taken this long, but mm -hmm. it just speaks to, you know, the vision of the leadership that we have here now that's looking at every corner of everything that we have and go why isn't this being utilized to the best right. ability why is yeah. this well you know that's just always the way we've done yeah. it 
you know, and yeah. that's no longer a viable excuse anymore. And that's, no. that's as a herd fan, a donor supporter alum, like if you don't like that approach, then I don't know what to tell you, like fresh eyes and a fresh breath and new ideas. It's just, you know, no longer is that's the way we've always done it good enough. Yeah. And I, I appreciate that. And I think what you get every now and then, and I'm not trying to, you know, throw some jabs at, at unnamed people like, you know, Joe fan, but some people, no matter, I'm not even talking about Marshall, but it's like upset the apple cart. Like it's been done that way for 40 years. Sometimes, you know, they tend to say, whoa, 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 I don't like this change, you know, yeah. because it's something new and that's just natural. Sure. But I feel like the changes that are being made, there's like maybe one to 5% that's like, no, hold up. I don't like change. And 95% or more that is like, Hey, this has been needed for a long time. Yeah. yeah. You know, uh, e even the people that don't like change. And again, like I said, I'm not throwing jabs. I'm just prefacing that there are people that don't like change. Even the people that don't like change are saying that has been needed. I'm glad this is coming. <laughs> well, this isn't change for the sake of change. Sure. It's, it's change out of to necessity. Yeah. yeah. It's like, can we get a playing surface that's from this millennium? Literally <laughs> yeah. from this yeah. millennium. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we're over at the cam here. We've been there talking about this. Let's walk over to the football stadium as we get to our next point. Uh, we have talked about this uh, several different weeks on the show, but they are doing the wraps on the inside and the outside of the football stadium. You had specifically said you were going to take credit for the ones on the inside. Where, you know, they're, they're all going to be brand new Kelly Green. Not, you know, this was in uh, 2014. This was in 2017. They have different fade patterns, yeah. you know. Um, but again, it's that brand cohesion. Everything's getting a fresh update. Uh, but the news that was out of there is some of those wraps are going to tarp the upper end zone as we had kind of guessed, if not predicted, um, and they will have, this was something, you know, we talked about how do you pay for them. They're going to have, they've got sponsors that they're going to have on there. Uh, I think they named those on the Twitter uh, OVP Health. And I, I thought it was, the, I think, it, I thought it was Mountain Health. Both of them. Those are the two, and, Mountain Health and OVP Health. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, well, I mean, we, we kind of saw it coming, you know, the, 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 even though it was never set in stone, it just looked like that's the way it was going. I mean, yeah. we, we kept talking about these future projects and then it was like, well, are we going to, you know, try to go ahead and relocate people this year or are we going to sell them? And then they didn't release them. The, and, and, you know, all of a sudden it's like, well, hell, you're not going to have 10,000 empty seats. That's going to look horrible on TV. So the, the line started to make sense. The dots started to get connected and I'm, I'm glad we did this. And I'm glad also that it shows that one man with a microphone can get new banners put up on the inside <laughs> of the stadium. <laughs> I, I heard that Christian Spears said, this is the Kenny Hudnall project. <laughs> I think he said, we got to get that guy to shut up. He's been too, too much of our money. Jeez. Somebody unplug his microphone. Would you? <laughs> All right, but we we are excited about this because we want those fans to be pushed over, like we were talking about, to the sidelines. It looks fuller. It it uh, does a better We Are Marshall 
that is dueling side to side instead of having some in the end zone and and this and that. I I'm pretty excited. I think it's going to make the game day experience a little bit better. You know what occurred to me about that? We've talked about the the noise and the We Are Marshals and that looking fuller and all that stuff. And something that occurred to me the other day is is it's just. I don't know if it's a happy accident that this is falling into place at the same time, but you know, we're, we're like um, going back in, back in time in several capacities, right? We've made this move to the Sunbelt, which is embracing, you know, uh, what was good about college football, the regional travel, the regional teams, the regional rivals, and what is also happening in our own stadium on a microcosm of that is that you're going to have that more intimate setting that is going to allow for an actual more true home field advantage, which harkens back to those Southern Conference days and those regional rivalries and things like that. So it's really nice to know that, you know, we we went the way of the bigger stadium. We went the way of the, you know, bigger quote unquote conference. And all it led to was a lot of travel. You know, that's mm-hmm. really all it led to. So we went full circle and now we're back here with teams that we used to compete against and some new teams that are competitive that we look that looks like they're going to jive really well with with what we're bringing to the table and, and we could you know get behind this uh Sunbelt Conference lineup so doing these do, having these changes to the stadium it just feels like it's what's supposed to happen and like yeah. I said I don't know if it's a happy accident that, it, that it's being explored this way and it, at this particular time frame but I don't know, man. I, I've I've just felt like that end zone has been out of place for a long time. You know, it just spread the herd fans out, and it's really nice to think that they're going to be um, louder and prouder, and and there's going to be more of a concentration of Kelly Green, you know, between <clears throat> between those two sides of the stadium once again. That just feels good. Yeah, and and we're looking at. I know. To me, I'm sitting here thinking, well, that's only been since 2000, but that was 22 years ago. Yeah. And and a lot of our fans are like, I've never known it a, a, another right. way, you know, right. but that was how it was 91 through 99. And um, that was, that was a, I loved it in that, that capacity, you know, the way it was. So I'm looking forward to it as well. Yeah, me be- I, I think the fans that have never experienced that will find that it's a more enjoyable experience. And now we also get to have a whole brand new generation of upcoming young new herd fans that are going to get to experience the Joan uh, the way it used to be, or yeah. more like the way it used to be. Of course, more you still like got to go, you still got to go in there and win the games, right? Yeah but it's it'll be more like it used to be which should be more fun yeah all right staying in uh the area but kind of moving uh north and uh west cover three different facilities here they have put in a zoning request to have beer sales at the cam at the dot and what we're going to call the jack yeah. no matter what it's going to be you know i'm sure we're going to call it the jack yeah so what this does is one revenue two uh you cannot have a minor league team or a wooden bat league team or anything at the baseball field without beer sales because there is barely any other revenue to get you know they're not going to make enough without any kind of concession of beer sales so um i don't think that there will be any kind of pushback on this whatsoever 
I, I'd say it's a pretty much done deal to have beer there. I mean, I can't imagine what they could come up with in zoning to say no. So I'd say it's a foregone conclusion. There's going to be beer. Well, it looks to me like the city has a real vested interest in making this baseball stadium work. So why yeah. the hell would you start throwing up hurdles now? <laughs> and for the reasons you just mentioned, the minor league team and all that kind of stuff aside, you want to get fans of these games? Let them go be able to enjoy a cold beer on a nice warm day at, at outside at a baseball game or a softball game. Um, big basketball games coming to town, something going on. Let them be able to go to Fat Patties or wherever they go, El Ranchito or wherever, and get their pregame dinner and then go on and be able to enjoy another cold beer or two at the basketball game. I mean, it just makes sense. It, you know, it's, it's kind of mind-boggling, honestly, that it's 2022 and we're just now talking about these things happening, right? Yeah. But it's, it's, it's just – it needs to happen. You know, it just it's, – it's, it raises revenue or increases revenue, it'll probably get more people to come to a game, whether it, you, you think that should be a reason or not is irrelevant. It will probably get more people to come to a game. It doesn't, I'm not saying that your every game attendance is going to increase, but those fans that may not go to any basketball games or any baseball games now might squeeze two or three in where they yep. otherwise might not have gone at all. So yep. it, it just opens up the, the opportunity to become a fan to new people, to new fans. We talked about it before when we were talking about beer in the Joan, and it started only in like two sections that you could have it in the big green room, you could have it. And then it kind of went outward and they were like, well, you can get it everywhere. And I said, there were some people up in arms as aghast and, and clutching pearls is like, I can't believe they're going to have alcohol in this stadium. I said, I have it on good authority. It was in there before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let me know, remind I, you <laughs> once again, that the point that I made that I know for a stone cold fact, that section 115 in the late nineties was riddled with alcohol <laughs> riddled. I tell you <laughs> that my friends for you that don't know, or are too young to real, that was the old majority of the student section we weren't there were there was no end zone if you'll recall we just talked about that so yes yeah, section 115 oh man it was uh yeah you could get a drink there <laughs> it was bumping it was bumping <laughs> all right we're going to keep it with beer and the news is uh that country boy brewing and marshall have partnered up and they're taking one of their beers and rebranding it uh they'll keep it their brand you know, uh, for nationally, but here locally, uh, they are going to have a herd branded beer, country herd lager, and it will be in sale or uh, in the stadium for sale by game one. And then it will also be available in the surrounding areas. So you can buy it for home as well. Another thing that just needed to happen, you know, yeah. if you're going to embrace beer sales, then you might as well have your signature recipe that's branded in your can, you know, that has your logo or a version of your logo, something yeah. Marshall related so that you something can you can get it. and it increases your brand, but it increases your revenue for having right. a logo on there as well, right. just as if you buy a shirt or a hat that has a logo on it. So I'm very much interested to see, of course, what any beer boils down to is what does it taste like, right? Yeah. So um, I know we've talked about, you know, some things that you might be able to compare it to. And I don't know if we want to get into that on, on this episode. I, I kind of would like people to try it first 
and then make their own uh, assumption rather than us go, well, it tastes like this. And then somebody goes, well, I don't really like that. So I'm not going to try it. I'm good. I would rather someone buy it, try it and, and give it its, their own opinion before we sway them one way or the other. What I will say is if we can get our hands on it, um, we're going to have some available at the opening tailgate without a doubt, because I mean, you just have to do that. I mean, I want to taste it. I'm not going to be able to come to too many games. So, Hey, uh, there's going to be some, um, what'd you call it? Then what'd you call the, what's the name of Co- it? Country herd logger. Country herd. There's going to be some country herd logger around for me to test fire and, and potentially some for other folks to maybe test fire. And country boy, if you want us to do a review live on air, you can just send us a case or two. So I'll get your, I'll get the addresses to you. I know you're listening. That is true. Maybe you guys would want to stop by and <laughs> hang out for a minute and uh, join us at Thundercast live and, talk beers for a second who knows just putting it out there well that uh was maybe more than five things but it was all kind of related and interlocked slightly different format than we're used to but again that news is always brought to you by ignite link yeah but this is stuff that i think a lot of people like to hear about for some for whatever reason people love to hear about facilities news and uh, stuff about beer is always going to be a crowd favorite. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about sports here. I mean, sports and beer go hand in hand. So all this stuff is interesting and it's, just, it's exciting uh, on a number of fronts. So I love talking about this kind of stuff. And I again, also think, go ahead. You go I was going to say, and uh, you know, again, we're going to push back the uh, position group breakdowns here so we can talk listener questions. So we're kind of very much in the vibe of this type of episode. We're not kind of breaking the mood here to talk about, you know, some roster stuff or something. So this is going to be a very overall informative episode full of a lot of a fact and B opinion. So what, where, where were you going to go there? I was just going to say that we have gotten quite a bit of feedback uh, from our listeners, which we love, but I've heard two different takes, uh, main takes is some get our news or get their news from us. Mm -hmm. You know, we're kind of that news aggregate kind of deal. And they listen to that all in one as they're driving or something, they get their weekly news from us. Other people who are more like, following every single uh, social media account to get some of this news and experiencing it live have said, even though I already heard it earlier that day or two days, you know, I enjoy your take on it and what you and I are discussing. So, you know, all that stuff, maybe you heard that on Twitter earlier this week, but, you know, we kind of got to discuss it and dissect it a little bit. Yeah, I'm not limited to 130 characters or whatever the character limit is. And it's, I don't know what it is anymore. I don't, I don't really know. But here I can expound and just let everyone listen to the melodious sound of my voice for as long as I feel like yammering on. I think uh, you're cheating yourself from some characters. I'm pretty sure it's 320. I have no idea what it is. I just, I mean, I think it used to be 120 or 130. I don't know. I thought it was 160 and they doubled it. No clue. That's what I'm saying. I pay very little attention to things like that. Uh, so look, let's let's get into some of these um, listener questions. And I made you folks the promise that uh, if your question made it onto the show, we would in fact give you a shout out on the episode and talk about who asked the question. So we will give your Twitter handle. I will also place your Twitter handle in the description of the show once it goes live. So... If uh, people want to follow you, then they will be able to follow you. Uh, Russ and I are going to trade off on these questions. 
I'm going to go first and give him the opportunity to answer first because I have uh, I, I posed a question in response to this question and I didn't get an answer. So I'm going to have it go both. We're going to do both ways here. So this question comes to us from at herd sports fan. It's two questions, actually, which I think it's going to be four. Uh, first question is, what is your favorite Marshall football moment slash experience of all time to which I asked that I have to be there live? So. Let's go with that. Uh, what is your favorite, Russ, Marshall football moment slash experience of all time that you were A, there for, and B, weren't there for? Therefore, 1999 MAC championship game. Electric. Just coming back, preserving the, uh, the way we did it, preserving the perfect season, getting maced by the cops, all that <laughs> stuff. It was, I I have to I have to tell you why it's because someone you know they were wanting to rush the there was no upper end zone so everyone was packed in the end zone and they were wanting to rush the field after the game but there was still you know after the touchdown there was like two seconds left so the cops were warning everybody hey we don't want to get a penalty and possibly you know give them a chance to come back and win this game don't come here but they started allowing them to go over um, to where the the hill is over the end zone, and someone fell down the hill, just slid on their butt all the way down. Other people was like, "Well, he's getting to go. I'm going." So they started going. So the cops broke out the mace and just maced everybody, and it wafted up to where I was. I was not trying to rush the field, but when you're three rows deep in mace, you're going to get maced. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, I have a moment from that same season that is my favorite uh, Marshall football experience that I was there for, and that was the uh, 1999 Ford Motor City Bowl when the Herd defeated BYU to maintain that undefeated season. Uh, I cannot get into great detail about the entirety of that trip because it takes such a long time to tell that story, and there are things that are just not made for the airwaves at this particular juncture. Uh, but it, that is by a long shot, not even a close second. That's my favorite uh, Marshall football moment slash experience that I was present for. Russ, what was the, what's your all-time favorite moment that you weren't present for? You know, I would have to say uh, I'm kind of torn. One is I don't want to give two answers, but one is the uh, the miracle in Mobile, you know, just the way that that all shook out. But I am really fond of that Kansas State game, too. A good friend of mine that is a mutual friend of yours was at my apartment. We were watching it live as it unfolded, and, and just the emotions of that game was great. But the, the miracle in Mobile, man, I really wish I could have been there, but that was a heck of a game to watch. And I still find myself re-watching it every now and then. Yeah, that's mine too. Uh, I, I was thinking about it, and that came to the forefront pretty quick. Um, 2001 GMAC Bowl, without a doubt. I remember, you know, where I was at. I remember what I was doing. It was, you know, Christmas-ish time, so we're sitting around, and I was drinking eggnog with Crown Royal in it, and we were watching the herd play. And I remember – getting down to the end of the game or actually at the beginning of the game thinking, my Lord, we're getting slaughtered, which made the eggnog go down quicker, you know, 
And then we start making this epic comeback. And then um, we get to the point to where I'm like, we're going to miss this extra point. You watch and see. And I'll be damned if that's what happened. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, oh, my God, I can't. Like, it's, that might be where the heart problem started. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, of course, everyone knows how the game ended. You know, you, you can find the highlights on YouTube. And I'm like you. I find myself going back and watching it. And, you know, there are certain plays that still make the hairs on my arms raise up because I still mm -hmm. get excitement from that. Uh, that is easily my favorite martial sports moment that I was not in attendance for. So both of mine, live and not live, were epic comebacks. Yeah. You know, uh, epic second half comebacks, getting killed in the first half, and you think, no, oh, the season is just ruined. And, and I'm sure that goes a long way with why they are that for me. Well, you know, those also – our moments to where, you know, we were still very much of that undergraduate age. So, you know, you, you, you kind of sensationalize things a little bit more from a retro standpoint. You're like, man, that was awesome back then. And it, but it was awesome. It, it wouldn't have mattered to me if, if, if I was the same age I am now when that and seeing that happen, it would still be awesome. But uh, the 99 motor city bowl to me was the greatest because it solidified history. Marshall's undefeated. And number 10 ranking in the country would, you know, in the final polls, that's what they would end up as. It was, it was awesome. It was just awesome. And the other things, the other extenuating circumstances that went along with that, the people I was with to share that with the whole road trip, everything involved in that. It was just, it's unforgettable. And, and here, you know, some 23 years later, I can remember in great detail <laughs> a lot of, of what that uh, trip entailed. So look, let's, who, do you have the list of questions, by the way? Uh, I do not. Um, I can get them up real quick. Well, you want me, while you're doing that, you want me to go ahead and read the next one? I thought there was a second part to that one. That is. It was, oh, no, there is. Okay, never mind. Yeah. yeah. What's your favorite Marshall sports moment, non-football sports moment that you were in attendance for? Yeah, so, I mean, I would have to say, that it's a basketball um, game, and it we lost, but just the atmosphere. It was when Memphis was up here, and we were about to beat Memphis, and we lost on the very last couple of seconds. But just the atmosphere of the cam, uh, also who I was with, uh, same person that I was with with uh, the Kansas State game, but just everything about it man was great and you're about to beat memphis who was somebody at that point you're talking about derrick rose memphis derrick like coach rose memphis. coach cal memphis yeah um but i mean we were about to beat them and we just barely lost in the cam but that atmosphere was amazing and just because of the qualifier of being there live that's the one i'm gonna have to go with yeah, I think my the the I was there as well, and that was you know really exciting. Um, and then I could you know of course I think about being there at the basketball game when Donnie Jones made his return with UCF, and and that place was like as hostile as I have ever seen the Cam Henderson Center. It yes. was awesome. I mean, it was awesome. Uh, but I think my favorite. Uh, 
non-football experience that uh, we played a game several years ago against Western Kentucky in Bowling Green uh, when Elmore and Burks and, and those guys were running with the herd. And we, we came out of there with a win. I took my son with me and uh, we traveled down and saw some friends and watched the game with them. And Marshall was freaking on fire that night. They hit like 19 threes in the game and silenced Diddle Arena. And, you know, for folks that don't give a lot of credit to Western Kentucky, their basketball program historically is amazingly strong. And Diddle Arena is one of the toughest arenas to go into and get a win. And Marshall just shot the freaking lights out that game. And it was awesome. I mean, it was awesome. We were one, we, me and my son, we were two of very small amount of herd fans that were there. So it was, uh, it was just a really neat, I'd never been a part of an experience like that to where I went on the road and saw the herd get a big win and like, 99% of the crowd was just quiet, you know, yeah. it, it was wild. That was, that was the coolest for me. Uh, so along that same note, what is your favorite non-football Marshall sports moment uh, that you were not in attendance for? I'm really torn again, <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to go with the uh, national championship soccer. Uh, my goodness, watching that. And, you know, it was, it was delayed a little bit, uh, you know, because of the women's uh, soccer uh, championship before it. 45 minutes, an hour, whatever it is that we had to wait just for the start of the game. And then, you know, like the the nerves, the butterflies and everything. And I was just watching at home and it, you know, just epic ending to that with the golden goal. And that's got to be mine. Yeah, it, it, that's really for me. It, it it came down between that and watching Marshall and Wichita State get in the shootout in the NCAA tournament, and all the moxie that that team showed coming uh, and coming from behind several times and and just never going away. And you know, there you have those March Madness moments that live in your in your brain forever. And for me, it'll be you know John Elmore pulling up from the timeline and mm -hmm. just draining threes and you get that classic from the hash Carter, yeah. you know, that's, yeah. that's what sticks in my head. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, that's, that's that Marshall moment. That's the NCAA tournament moment. And it is for a couple generations of Marshall fans. You're talking about 31 years between NCAA tournament appearances and from the hash Carter is what 31 years worth of Marshall fans have, you know, mm -hmm. And all that goes into that, and it still falls just behind a national championship soccer winning team. When you talk about Marshall and the city of Huntington and herd fans, the herd universe traveling down to North Carolina and overtaking a stadium for an evening and turning the Tar Heel State Kelly Green and walking out of there with a national championship. And I would be remiss if I did not remind everyone that Roosters pushed everyone out before the end of the game roosters in huntington so everyone knows <laughs> me knows that i hate roosters uh i don't care if they said hey we'll give you a million dollars to sponsor your show kenny would probably try to kill me but <laughs> i'm going to turn it down i hate them that bad they shut off the game and kicked people out before the end of the game yeah that's pretty dirty but uh 
I don't think anything is going to top that, you know, soccer national championship until we yeah. land in a repeat scenario, you know, sure. and we yeah. get to do it again. Or, you know, the the basketball team makes a run mm-hmm. to the Elite Eight or the Final Four or the or the baseball team or the softball teams in Super Regionals or the College World Series or something like that. It's going to take a lot to dethrone a national championship soccer game with all the factors I just talked about, how the team, yeah. how the city and the fans rallied around them and traveled five, yeah. six hours away to pack that place out. And it was a sea of Kelly Green on, on TV. It was it was awesome. It's yeah. it's what you know that Marshall fans and the Herd Universe is capable of doing. And we would like you and I personally would love to see that happen in a non-national championship capacity. It, it that should just be the way. You know, when you're in Huntington, Marshall's the only game in town. I mean, we're not we're not disrespecting high schools in here, nothing like that. But there's no pro. This is not a pro sports town, so it's Marshall's the only game in town, and that should be what's going on and where you're at every time there's a game taking place in Huntington, West Virginia. All right. Do you I've have got, them up? All right. I've got got, yeah, yeah. I was just waiting until we got to the uh, to the second part of the first one before okay. I brought these up. All right, so this is a two-parter, and it comes from Kyle Hamlin, and uh, I know I'm going to get you with this. But his, <laughs> no, I'm ready already. <laughs> his uh, his handle is at Thundering Turd, the number one. Kyle, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I have two questions. If we could add another team to the Sun Belt that would make sense regionally, who do you think would be the best fit? We'll go with that one, and then I'll get to the next question. Okay, so this is uh, – you would like to think that it's somebody that may come out of the ranks of the Conference USA, right? Because the MAC seems to be content with who they are, and that's fine. Um, the, the, the big question mark is after the big transition happens with the American, where does that leave the top two or three teams in their – relationship with that conference you know Mm -hmm. and we've talked about teams like memphis before are they really thrilled about losing cincinnati and ucf houston and then turn around and bring it in charlotte and utsa and fau and you know who knows who knows what will happen then so a couple of things about this question it says add another team first of all i don't think you add one i think you have to add two and -hmm. if you're going to add two teams um i'm just playing devil's advocate uh, I'm going to say that there are some unhappy teams in the American that are look that are going to make look to make a move. So you have to add somebody that fits with the West, and you have to fit somebody that fits with the East. Um, and I think those two teams that you first look at are Memphis and East Carolina. Those would probably be the two most unhappy immediately that fit so well into the Sun Belt footprint, right? And if I have to toss a third one in there, that you know you don't. Just for argument's sake, um, I think you look at Western Kentucky out of the Conference USA because from top to bottom in Conference USA, they had the most competitive, most accomplished athletic department from top to bottom. Uh, So those three teams are really who you would like to think would be the first major players. You also talk might toss in a team like Louisiana Tech, but the other Louisiana schools really have no love lost for Louisiana Tech because of some comments from their former athletic director talking about the Sun Belt wishes they could get on the level of Conference USA. And now, <laughs> oh, how the turntables, to quote Michael <laughs> Scott. 
so yeah, I, I wouldn't think uh, Louisiana Tech's on anybody's list, but if I were looking at the top three, I would say it's Memphis, East Carolina, and Western Kentucky. Pick two out of three because all three fit with either the East or the West or one of both. You know what I'm saying? So I have to wonder how you got my notes since they're all in my head. Because we are like-minded friends, <laughs> my man. But I thought the same thing. I thought, all right, Kyle, we can't add one. We got to add one East, one West, or add two East and slide somebody over from the yeah, West yeah. or something. But anytime you're adding, you got to add two. And I thought East Carolina definitely fits more than any other mid-major kind of team. Definitely in the East, it fits great. And I had Memphis in the West. I expected you to say East Carolina and Western Kentucky because of your podcast and Twitter handle that just, you had before. Just more intimate knowledge of the program. It, it, you know, you, like you said, you became a fan and you became close to their fans, not all of them, but a lot of them. So I felt like it was kind of natural that you're going to know a lot about them and you could see, hey, they would bring a lot because you and I were both hoping that they could come into, mm -hmm. you know, this with us. Um, but I have to go with Memphis over them a little bit more geographic uh, for the footprint. Also, it provides a big market that, right. you know, I'm not a market kind of guy I'm more of you know what your teams actually do on the court and on the field uh how your fans travel for them but I think Memphis is a little bit different you know you're not looking at Rice and saying well that's Houston they are Memphis you right. know they they do own that market right so that's the two that I would go with yeah, and I should also preface by saying or you know validate by saying I wasn't looking at any uh Conference USA teams that are moving into the American. So UAB would be perfect as well, but I think they're happy going where they are. So it's, it doesn't make any sense to say, oh, well, it'll be UAB and East Carolina. You know, I'm, I'm thinking of in terms of teams that may not like their, uh, their situation currently or what it will look like in a couple of years. So, you know, take that for I, what it's worth. I do think, though, that there might be a decent chance that the AAC could implode um, if they don't get a favorable television deal the next time around after, you know, some of these big names leave, there's going to be a lot of unhappy people. And if it might be top to bottom that everybody wants to get out of there. And if you have several people leaving, it could be kind of like what conference USA nearly faced before they added some high schools out in Texas. Yeah. That's true. So it's, it's an ever evolving, you know, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's just an ever evolving like timeline of moves. So who knows if it'll ever, you know, settle down and we'll settle into where we are. I think, you know, ultimately we get, I could have discussions on realignment for hours, but right. I don't want to, I don't want to go off on a tangent. So I'm just going to stick with those three teams and move on. Second question from Kyle, who is your dream team to get a home and home with in football? You know, if you would have asked me this question 15 years ago, I just would have had a quick answer for you. But now I look at things so differently. You know, I look at things like, um, is it a series that we could win? Is it a series that our fans could travel to? 
Is it something that we could also work in maybe a basketball game with or a baseball series? Or so I just look at things a little bit differently, right? But if you would have asked me, well, it's probably more than 15 years ago. If you'd have asked me a long time ago, then I would have picked like my favorite team growing up, which was Florida State and Marshall. I think, man, that would be awesome. You know, like having the opportunity to see the Seminoles come to Huntington and then maybe going down and catching a game at uh, in Tallahassee would be great. And it would still be cool. But I don't think in terms of like my dream home and home scenario anymore. I just don't think that exists for me. I think there will be tons of cool teams to see come inside of Jones C. Edwards Stadium. Like, I could see how a lot of fans would love to see the Buckeyes come to Huntington and play a game. I, I could see how people would like to see those top-tier teams that never play a road out-of-conference game come to your, to your stadium and play. But it's just a different world now, you know. That's why I have a lot of respect for teams like Virginia Tech that will go on the road and play. Mm -hmm. uh, teams like Old Dominion, teams like Marshall. I think that's really cool. And it says a lot about the personality of their team. It says a lot about the personality of, of who they want to be like very, you know, we'll play you anytime, anywhere type thing. Uh, and, you know, nothing against Alabama. I mean, they're, they're the best in the country year in and year out for a reason, you know, they're, they're damn good. But along that, those same lines, they're also a really good team that won't go to somebody else's stadium and play. They want to play a neutral site game or they want to play a home game. And it just makes me respect them and what they do a little bit less. They're still great. They're still a vaunted team from top to bottom, and I wouldn't want to play them, but um, they won't go to uh, Southern Miss and play a game. You know what I mean? But, mm -hmm. but Virginia Tech will go to Old Dominion. Virginia Tech will go to Huntington and play games, and I respect teams like that. So if you ask me my dream team, it's, it's a winnable series that the fans can travel to that would – sell tickets and Jonesy Edwards stadium. That's, that's what, that's the way I look at it now. Could you pinpoint one, come up with a name? Yeah, sure. Uh, a, a, a team we haven't played in that capacity. That's competitive all the time. Somebody like North Carolina, we've played NC state, North Carolina is a really good team and it's a travelable game. And, um, I think a lot of I think people would get excited about that. We should have beat them in North Carolina when yeah. we played them down there with Byron, but uh, the ACC refs had a different plan. Yeah, I think about it a little bit differently. I know Kyle said your dream opponent, and you know a lot of people would say, "Oh, if I could wave a magic wand, I would just yeah. get Alabama here and that sort of thing." So I I think about it differently than how he may have intended it. And I'm trying to think more rationally that would still be a pipe dream maybe. But for me, it's Kentucky. Mm -hmm. it, it's two hours down 64. We have a lot of fans that are close to Kentucky. We have a lot of fans in Louisville and other areas that could come over to that game quicker than they could get down. And Northern Kentucky as well, quicker than they could get back to Huntington to watch. Uh, it's an SEC team. Having us go there, them come here, we're already playing them in soccer. You know, they're affiliated with us. We're doing that. Uh, softball, we play them. Uh, I, I think it would be great to have some kind of relationship. Would they ever do it? Because they're in the SEC, I doubt it. And they really, really should have, especially when they were not as good as they are now. You know, they should have come over here and 
throwing us a bone and all that. I know why they didn't, because they were afraid they were going to lose. Yeah, it's a, I was going to say it would be more likely that they would do it now, because they're better, and they would think, well, we can just go get a win, you know. No, I think I think there's still uh, a stigma about coming here and playing. You know, we still, no matter the problems we've had over the last 18 years in this stadium, uh, experiencing more losses than we did, you know, in the previous time, we are still that place that people are afraid to come down here and play. Oh, I and agree. I'm just saying, like, they are better now. So from their own standpoint, got, they might feel better about, yeah, we'll go there. Like, what's the big deal? No, I'm saying they, they now they have more to lose. Yes, so they do. Like, well, they're like, no, I'm not going there now, you know. Yeah, back they, when, mo back, they most certainly would have more to lose. Yeah, back when they were two and nine, you yeah. know, they were like, ah, you know, what's it matter? We're going to get beat in anywhere yeah. but Vanderbilt. Might as well go there. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you another one that would be good. Just, just in thinking real. Penn State would be really good the the uh that's a that's a that's a big 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 time program that would be really cool to see inside Jonesy Edwards Stadium and winner of the game gets to keep we are that's all I'm saying <laughs> <laughs> all right who you got um let's see I got a question two questions again from um at Spencer Guitar this is kind of we we just talked about this one so uh it's a little bit different because the first one was home and home series, but his first question is which would, which would be your dream opponents for Marshall to play in football? So that means going on the road too. So just who yeah. would you like to see the herd? Give me maybe three or four teams that you'd like to see the herd play in any capacity. I would like to see USC. Uh, I think it would be cool just from the standpoint of where they've been in the past as a program, the traditions and everything and playing out in Pasadena. I think that would be cool. I would like to see us play um, um, Alabama just because they're the best. You know, uh, what happens if you go down to Alabama and Marshall just happens to somehow win out of this team that has five stars that never see the field? Mm -hmm. So, I, you know, the ultimate underdog would be us. They've got stacked rosters, basically like an NFL roster. You know, um, so I would like to go there. That's my two, I guess I would say. I started thinking about this and I started thinking about like, man, a lot of these teams I like seeing play, we've already played. Right. You know, in, in years past, like we've already played the Hurricanes. We've already played Georgia. We've already played, you know, like all of these, you know, Ohio State. And that's so, why I had the two that I had. Yeah. We have not played them. I think it would be cool to go to Michigan and play in the big house. Yeah, that'd be great too. Uh, and uh, again, I'd like to revert back to Penn State, even playing them on an away game, um, even as as intimidating as that would kind of be to like be the whiteout game. That is so visually striking on television. Uh, the Penn State whiteout, it is awesome. I'd like to be a part of that. I'd like to be there uh, just just to experience that. So, you know, I'm, I'm very much more like in the localized, you know, Michigan's not that close, but it's also not uh, Los Angeles. You know what I yeah. mean? Um, I would like to see Marshall play some big, just these big time schools. You catch them on the right time, the right weekend, and you shock the world, man. They did it. You know, it's been a long time now. It's been 19 years, but, you know, they went into Manhattan, Kansas, and, and shocked the, 
Wildcats, when they were number six in the country, and, you know, it's, it's time for that to happen again. It's time for them to go in somewhere and shock the world. So maybe it happens week two this year. Maybe they go in and, and just catch Notre Dame off their game, and you're like, what just happened? You know, and, and that is a lot of fans' dream scenario. Marshall inside Notre Dame Stadium, playing at Notre Dame. Uh, that would be one we would be talking about 20 years from now. You know, we're, we're talking about Kansas State 20 years ago. We'd be talking we, – we may not talk about Kansas State as much anymore. Everybody would be talking about Notre Dame. So that would be uh, pretty cool. Second part of that question is, which Power Five could Marshall reasonably get to agree to a home-and-home home series much like Purdue, Louisville, and Virginia Tech already did? You know, I – I don't know. I, I keep thinking of maybe some ACC teams that are not as, you know, not Clemson, obviously. Uh, I don't think Florida State, but I think, you know, what you said earlier about North Carolina or a Duke or something like that, I could see that. Yeah. I, could, I, I really want to go back and say Kentucky, but, you know, Tennessee, but I I don't think they'll do it. No, I don't think these – uber big budgeted schools will do that because mm -hmm. they can always buy an eighth home game you know they can always pay some max school to come to knoxville and play and they'll line up to do it you know and it, and whatever your feelings might be about that is irrelevant because it'll happen uh yeah. you know i look at uh teams that are willing to travel and the list is very small seemingly you know, mm -hmm. and and they schedule these series that their schedule's already full, always full. That's what I'm saying. There's so few of them that are willing to go on the road. But I look at teams maybe like Wake Forest would be mm -hmm. probably willing to do that. Uh, University of Virginia would probably be willing to do that. Teams that uh, that are in these major conferences that are on the cusp but still have a little something to prove to their peer schools. So they're like, look, we'll go on the road and we'll play these teams. You know, we're we're a quality team. So you got to look at teams like that. Teams like Maryland might consider doing that. Georgia um, Tech would have been really cool running the triple option. That would yeah, been a, that would have been a cool game. Yeah. So I, I always look at those middle of the pack to um, lower third Power Five schools that would be more willing to travel and commit to a home and home. So. You could look at the Big Ten and, and the ACC, probably not the SEC as much. You might be mm -hmm. able to look at a handful of those Big 12 schools, but they really don't make a lot of sense. You know, you're getting a little too far to the West to, yeah. to come over here. So you really are stuck with the bottom third-ish of the Big Ten and the bottom third of the ACC to try to make something work when you're geographically located in Huntington, West Virginia. Yeah, so There's a handful there, but there's just not many. All right, next question is by a guy named Russ Livinggood. It's at Russ Livinggood. I don't know this guy, but he looks like he has amazing hair. Um, <laughs> says, says, I have a question. Who makes a better chicken wing, at Travis Austin WV or at Russ Livinggood? Seems like a loaded question. <laughs> Russ Livinggood. Russ Livingood asking the question that is about Russ Livingood <laughs> on the show in which Russ Livingood is a co-host. 
I only uh, throw this in as a joke, but uh, I just want to say, uh, Travis, when you're listening, uh, your own son picked mine. He picked my <laughs> my wing over yours, and I had to throw that in one last time. <laughs> well, I can't vote on this because I wasn't there. I didn't get to taste any of this uh, legendary wing cooking contest. Uh, so I defer to, um, well, hell, the answer by Russ Livingood to the question by Russ Livingood. Sounds like, a Russ cons- Livingood. <laughs> sounds like a consensus to me. <laughs> All the living goods have agreed <laughs> that it is indeed Russ Livingood. Now, do you have an actual question? Uh, yeah, this was uh, brought in. It wasn't on uh, Twitter. This is from Sean Wagner. What's your all-time favorite herd football uniform combo? And Ooh. then after, after you answer, I'll tell you what his is because he provided the answer. Man, that's really tough, man. It is. It's a good one. That's really, really tough, man. Uh, because I had different emotions sparked at different times, right? Like the first time they debuted the 75 on the helmet, mm-hmm. that was cool. And I thought, man, there's never anything that's going to top that. So if I'm pigeon-toed into what the combination was at the time, mm-hmm. then – that's different than what my favorite combination would be because we haven't worn what my favorite combination would be. Mm-hmm. And um, my favorite. Uh, so I guess what I would have to say is my favorite combination is the current rendition of the 75 week uniform, black pants, black jerseys, and the Memorial helmet with the names in the green stripe. That's my favorite right now. Okay. Um, if I could have my favorite of each kind of look, it would be the Memorial helmet in the all green, because to me, nothing screams big game martial football like Kelly green on Kelly green with mm-hmm. the white lid. I mean, that's that to me is it, it harkens back to my undergraduate years and you didn't, put on the all greens unless the game meant something unless That's something right. was going to be decided that game the mac east is coming down to this game so we're busting out the the all greens for this one you know it's it's the mac championship game at home we're wearing the all greens in this one so I, it's really hard for me to deviate away from the all greens but the the memorial helmet is what just sends it over the edge for me it it outweighs the the whole of the or the individual parts of the uniform i still love the black jersey with the black pants but that helmet is everything yeah. it is everything if i could get that in an all green uniform that would be everything so i love during the pruitt area when we were going to be breaking out the all greens or when we would break out the all whites you know when we were on the road and it was always, like you said, a big game that that happened. And I don't know, I'm equally torn a little bit about the all whites and, and equally torn about the, the all greens because they meant something, you know. And we played very well in the all whites, like, you know, Kansas State, for instance. But the big green, uh, I mean, not the big green, the all greens for me has got to be it. And there's just a lot of different memories from that. And you just knew it was on. You were pumped. Back then, there was no Twitter where the the amazing uh, Marshall equipment. Oh, yeah. Know, they were not putting out, like, here's what you're going to be wearing. Mm-mm. So when they would come out of the tunnel, 
yeah. know, and they're wearing the all greens, thunderstruck, blaring. That just, uh, I was, it was on. Yep. It was an entire vibe. Like yeah. the whole stadium at that point was like, oh, shit. Yeah. You know, it was just, it, it just, it, I, I mean, it, it just hit different. That's yeah. it's what it did. You come out of the tunnel to the smoke and thunderstrucks blaring and they roll out in the white lids and the all greens. You're like, somebody's not just getting beat today. They're going to get embarrassed today yeah. by and large. And it, it was a, it was awesome. There was, you're right. There was no uniform reveal, mm-hmm. you know, on, on social media. And, and for all that, that I love that. I look forward to that every week, mm-hmm. the uniform reveal. So, but that takes away a little bit of that, uh, that mystique there um, was a mystique yeah it was. there really was because it was always like, i wonder if they're gonna wear the all greens this week man i don't know it's it's only you know such and such but you know, come to find out you win the game and you're gonna clinch the mac east so you might be playing freaking akron buffalo yeah and you know you're gonna win a thousand to nothing but still this game clinches the mac east so they roll out, you know, and that, that was awesome. So what did Sean say? Sean said, mine's the pea pods. And I hope that he's not meaning with the green helmet as well, because they didn't match Sean. If that's <laughs> the one you're talking about, the greens were different colors. Yeah. But if he's talking about the all greens with the white lid, I'm with him. Yeah. I'll, I'll have to ask for clarification. I did not, but I will. That's a good question. And that's one, since you said did not come across on Twitter, when you listen to this episode, Go on to Twitter and tell us what is your favorite all-time Marshall uniform combo. Uh, You can do your favorite like I did that we have worn together, or you can piece together your favorite uh, parts and pieces for your ideal combination. And I know we're, we're not doing video yet. That's coming soon, right? This video podcast. And you mentioned the Kelly green helmet. We didn't have that. It was a darker green that did not go with the color of our uniforms very well well over my shoulder you can see here that i have a kelly green helmet um and of course it's nothing we've ever worn this was a fan creation that i found on ebay many many years ago and i use that you know when i was living locally i would always take that to fan day and get you know autographs on it and not everybody but it's you know it's got it's got some heavy hitters in there that's the one that i reserve for like my favorites and I love that. If we would wear something like that helmet, every time I would take it there, first of all, the guys would go insane for it. They'd be like, oh my God, this is awesome. This is what we need, you know? So when we do video, you'll get a good look at that. And um, I think you'll be like, yeah, that would look pretty sweet with, with what we got going on right now. So anyway, um, I got a, I got another question for you. This one comes from our good friend at Jed Horton. Uh, he asks, would there be any value in trying to get another series in football and basketball with WVU pros and cons? So if you look at value as strictly money, yes, there is a lot of it. Uh, obviously we're going to sell out our stadium. We're going to sell out, especially if they would stop having basketball at in charleston oh man if it went back to home home and home home. yeah so yes there is a lot of value in it the cons of your pros and cons outweigh all of that just about to have to deal with it now i have to say that i have friends that are wvu fans and they are respectable people they're respectable fans 
there are fans of WVU that give them a horrible name and the experience that we have. And a lot of them have never even set foot on the campus up there or even gone to a game. They like the team because it has the state that they live in Mm -hmm. as the name of the team. And they seem to be some of the ones that are the most hard to deal with online or when you run out um, in public, run into them and that sort of thing. They're TV fans. Hey, I don't want to say anything. You said you were a, a Florida State fan growing up, and I know that you have not made your way to many Florida State games. I'm not saying you can't be a fan and not go up there, but don't be such a rabid fan that you're basically downing another school that you didn't go to either one of them, you know? So I I would not play them in a home-and-home. I know that it would bring in a lot of revenue, but I just would not for everything that goes with it. I'm kind of past it. I agree. Uh, Most folks will immediately point to, well, you don't want to play them because you're whatever, 11 and 0 and 11 or whatever it is. I don't know what it is. But no, everything that could be really awesome about this series is not. Yeah. You know, it's it's not just a coming together of the only two Division One fan bases in the state of West Virginia and battling it out and having some bragging rights and, you know, moving on. It's always about um, the folks, the fan base from up north wanting to continually put you down like you're nothing, like you're nothing. And it's ridiculous. Like, there's no need for that. You know, there's, there's, that is not rivalry, right? That that's not in any sense of the word. That's just being a rotten person. You know, you're taking what could be a great experience and ruining it. So there are far too many fans and Marshall has these fans too. I'm not trying Mm -hmm. to say that they don't, every fan base has them, but there are far too many that cheer for the blue and gold that feel that they are entitled to act a certain way just because that's what they're known for. So like, yeah. well, we got to live up to the hype. I mean, we've yeah. got to, and we're playing Marshall. So it's got to be cranked up to 11, you know, or else we just didn't do our job. Right. When in fact, you could just go and enjoy a hard fought football game. You could uh, just enjoy yourself so that it becomes a thing. That's a must play. It's, mm-hmm. it, it's like this, this is so awesome. There's no reason not to play it. But really, the reasons to not play outweigh the reasons to play. And I was going to say exactly what you said. It depends on what your definition of value is. Yeah, it would generate a lot of money. Sure would. Stadium would sell out. Both stadiums would sell out. Basketball stadiums, if they went back to campus games, would sell out. It would be a hot ticket, very hot ticket. But to, to those terms, at least how it relates to Marshall, they could go get a home and home series with another just about any other semi-local power five team and that team would travel just as many fans and just many more Marshall fans would show out to that game too so you would have I mean look at Purdue they're in West Lafayette Indiana and they at that time it was the third largest crowd in Jones Edwards Stadium history right Mm -hmm. I mean we've got no history with Purdue and they're Mm -hmm. several states away but they come to town their fans came and traveled and more of our fans came out and it was an awesome atmosphere and it was a fun time. 
right? Everybody had a great time. Purdue fans were like, man, you guys are awesome. We'll, we'll yeah. come back again if we ever play again. Yeah, and we had gonna... a lot of fans that had fun at Purdue as well yeah. going out there. So That's right, and you don't get that as much with, no. with when you play West Virginia. So really what you're at, your net loss is the home basketball game because you can go on the road and play a big-time basketball school and give that game away as well. You know, you're going to – the, the – the, uh, away team or the uh the team you're going to go play like if it's Kentucky they're going to get all the benefit of that mm-hmm. but it's it's the home marquee basketball game that you're really giving up but by giving that up you bring in so little toxicity to your fan base that you don't have that bitter taste in your mouth for years years sometimes years you're like man I don't want, I don't want to do that again mm-hmm. you know like I I'm I, I would like to you know play West Virginia if it could mean like a decent experience, it doesn't have to be perfect, but it can't be freaking toxic. I mean, yeah. it could, it could be much better than it is. And I just don't think that it ever will be for whatever reasons. So I don't find any value in playing them. I think there's more of a positive experience and just as much money to be made. You know, personally, I'd rather have a, t- a team bring in money from the state of Virginia or the state of Kentucky or Tennessee or North Carolina and spend it here rather than somebody just bringing money from Morgantown and spending it at Huntington. I'd rather have out-state money coming into West Virginia mm-hmm. rather than us just passing around the same dollars to each other. You know, yeah. give, give us an influx of new money for that weekend. That's mm-hmm. more important. That's more value to me. All right. I've got one more here. Do you have any more? I've got one. Yeah. Okay. So the last one that I have um, – the head referee for the Sunbelt Conference at Refs SBC <laughs> says, be honest when you answer, but who are your favorite refs? And I have to say, sorry, buddy, but it can't be you because I saw a tweet where you said that you did not like the Griffies playing catch in the cornfield before the uh, baseball game. And man, I was tearing up because it's the Reds, it's Griffey, it's Griffey Sr. and the whole deal. So you lost me with that one, man. We're cool on Twitter, but you lost me. <laughs> well, I'm going to answer that in not the way this was intended, right? This is right. supposed to be a comedic answer. Sure. My favorite refs are the refs that don't factor into the daggone game. Like if, if I don't know you're there, you're my favorite ref. Yeah. Like call it right down the middle and be fair. And no matter what you do, you're going to be wrong to some fan base. Everybody always thinks you're skewing the game to the other team and you're always screwing my team and whatever. But if, if you uh, keep yourself out of the picture in uh, a critical moment in the game and let them play, then you're my favorite referee. So that, I'm just yeah. throwing that out there. If you don't rewrite the rules of what pass interference actually is during the game, then yeah. you, you're probably a good ref. Yeah. Uh, that's not the last question I had. We had one final one that came in right before we were about to record. And I don't know how well we're going to be able to answer this, but we can give it a shot. Okay. okay. Uh, this comes in from uh, at Stan Carper Jr. on Twitter. And the question he says is, what do you think? Uh, do you have a bold projection for Marshall uh, and an opponent? So that's really tough to answer for a couple of reasons for me, but I'll let you start. I'm going to say the uh, Myrtle Beach Bowl. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Okay. Uh, the Myrtle Beach Bowl. And that is a AAC, 
one of the tie-ins. I'm going to go Memphis. Okay. See, I have to learn, A, how the hierarchy of bowls is mm-hmm. in the Sun Belt versus Conference USA. I don't know which other conferences are tied to which bowls yet. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know, A, we talked about that sixth bowl game coming on potentially, mm-hmm. which we think should happen in fairly short order. So I don't have all of the information. So I'm very much shooting from the hip and I'm just going on personal preference. Okay. Okay. Um, currently, well, at least last year, Sunbelt had tie-ins to the Cure Bowl, which I think now has been renamed. But anyway, the Lending Tree Bowl, the Myrtle Beach Bowl, the New Orleans Bowl, and the Camellia Bowl with a sixth bowl to be announced. Plus the Cotton Bowl if you got the New Year Six this year. Yeah, but I'm just talking about your guaranteed five, right? Um, so I'm going to say the Cure Bowl or whatever it's called now. And the reason I say that is because it's in Orlando and I can go to it. <laughs> so I, I want to do that. Uh, and last year I looked it up and that was a Mac team. So, and it was the Mac number two. So it was, uh, it was Northern Illinois, Kent state won the Mac. They beat Northern Illinois in the Mac championship. So I'm just assuming that's the Mac number two. So let's go ahead and make it a rivalry game in the cure bowl. And let's get the herd and the Ohio Bobcats. And we're going to have a battle for the bail in Orlando, Florida at camping world stadium. And I'll get to go to it. And that is my projection with an opponent. How about that? As good as any. As good as it. Yeah, especially <laughs> three weeks before the season starts. So that's right. Try to give it as best of a shot as I can give it. But look, that was uh, that's pretty awesome. I enjoy doing these. And I think we should continue to do these every few months, especially when news pops up and things now. So we've had a lot more information that has come in and we get to talk about facilities and yada, yada, yada. So it's always cool to revisit this type of thing. But Uh, We're hoping to finish out, round out the position group breakdown series next week with the quarterbacks. And then we'll start talking about things like season predictions and we'll look at the schedule and we'll give some things of how we think the ceiling and the floor might look for the herd. So that's just a little sneak peek of what next week's episode will look like. But Russ, let's take it around the herd. We'll start with football today. Actually, we're recording on Saturday was family day and they had the scrimmage what'd you like about what you read or saw well i didn't see too much Uh, a few tweets here and there and some things that you sent me Mm -hmm. um i saw some promise from from certain players some things that uh were that can now not just be uh chalked up to oh well it was spring ball you know, now it's not, oh, well, it's spring ball. We're in the fall session now. We're in, you know, a few months later, and guys are still proving to be legitimate weapons. So it should make you feel a little bit better about where we are, especially with some of these unknown players. Um, if you saw, um, there was a little snippet floating around um, social media that was uh, some press conference type stuff at the end of that scrimmage, and Rasheen Ali was at the mic, and they asked him about – Kalen LeBourne taking 180 yards to the house after contact. And he was, you know, kind of gave the, the, the right kind of answer and talking about, you know, how tough he is and, and he has the ability to take those hits and then run away from you type stuff. So when you start seeing stuff like that with what we think Marshall's defense is going to be and, mm-hmm. and how we, we don't know who was on the field at that particular time, right? We don't, but Still, we know we're really deep at defensive line. We're pretty good at linebacker, and we feel really good about where we're at in the secondary. 
So any number of players could have been on the field at that particular time. And to see a play like that get made or hear about one like that get made, it makes you get a little bit happy inside about the one-two punch of the Ali LeBourne um, backfield. Mm-hmm. And I saw some nice uh, – I heard about some nice throws. You sent me a video of some nice throws. So quarterback is, uh, you know, I'm still cautiously optimistic. I'm, I'm not going to deviate from that until we still get – until we get into the season and I start to see some live action plays and, you know, game speed type stuff and real um, adversity and crunch time and all that kind of stuff. But I don't I, – I'm feeling just as good as I did – back when we started doing this stuff about spring ball. So, pretty cool. I uh, just want to add that uh, LeBourne had a 14-yard uh, to, like, either end or at the very end, 14-yard touchdown after several broken tackles and contact. And then they referenced the 80 as well, which happened early in the game. So, at least two touchdowns for him. Uh, again, this was a closed scrimmage, family-only little bit of media was there probably get write-ups on it after we finish recording you know and there will be more news out there but LeBourne supposedly looked really really good um, also Peter Zamora threw the uh, first touchdown of the game that's the one that I sent you um, and that was a good throw yeah it was, a, it was a really a good, nice throw good quick release uh, something you, that you love to see out of a true freshman just continues to impress, really. I mean, you, yeah. you think you, you you are, again, cautiously optimistic, and you think, well, okay, you know, Aaron can make a good play every now and then. And, you know, is it, highlight tape's a highlight tape for a reason, right? It's your best plays. and you know, But, no, he continued to make good play after good play in the spring, and now we're seeing some good plays coming out of today's scrimmage, and we don't even see what goes on every day at practice. So, mm-hmm. again, you just feel – Good. It, it, you haven't, if for no other reason, you haven't seen or heard anything that makes you go, oh, great. We're not re- where we want to be, you know. And I know our coaches are going to be the first ones to tell you, of course, we're not where we want to be. We've got five new quarterbacks or ha- whatever the number is that have, none of them have played significant time for Marshall. So, of course, yeah. they're not where they want to be. But given those circumstances, I still feel fairly optimistic about what we might see in week one. Yeah. Staying with football, Rasheen Ali, another preseason accolade. He got uh, Pro Football Network's preseason second team All-American. Yeah, that's pretty big, though. That's, that's a pretty big accolade. This isn't just watch list type stuff. This right. is actually an All-American team. Yeah. You know, this isn't somebody saying, ah, eh, you were one of the best backs, but you're, you know, you're a G5 guy. You're probably not going to get a serious nod. And then, yeah, you know how it is. You know how mm-hmm. it is. He, he could go out and rush for. 5,000 yards this season, and somebody would still be like, well, you know, that fourth stringer from Alabama had 14 yards rushing in the national title game, so we should probably give him the Doak Walker Award. That's just how it is. That's just how it is. Uh, We all know that Rasheen Ali is insanely talented and is, I guess, what you would consider by on the national stage. He's going to be taken seriously. He's going to be talked about. But when push comes to shove and votes start going out for things, that's when they'll start to snub him because he mm-hmm. plays in the Sun Belt or he plays for Marshall. And if he was doing these same things playing for Georgia or playing for Penn State or playing for anybody, you know, like that, then they would be all over his ability. And the ability is mm-hmm. the same. He's just lining up in Kelly Green with an M on his helmet. It's, it's unfair the way the system looks at him. But this is an All-American team, and that is cool. 
next Saturday, you're going to be listening to this on Monday, August the 15th. Saturday, August the 20th from 4 to 5 p.m. is Fan Day. I know you've gone plenty of times in the past. You talked about taking that Kelly Green helmet there for signing. If you're in the tri-state area, make sure you come by for that. It's always a good time. Yeah, man, that's one thing I really miss about it. I mean, it, it's cool. It was cool to be able to get out and just um, see the guys and chat with them for a second and, you know, just tell them that, uh, you, you know, that you're a fan. You know, like, I appreciate what you do on Saturdays and all the hard work you put in. You're, you're really cool. One cool story about fan day for me was several years ago, it might even have been leading into the 2014 season, um, it fell on my birthday. And I went and um, I got, that was the year I got right on the top of the crown of that green helmet is Devin Johnson's autograph. And I got to take a, a few minutes to, to talk to him and everything. And that was pretty cool. That sticks in my mind a lot, you know, um, because of A, how great of a player he was and B, how, you know, he's not around for us to be able to shoot the breeze with on a, you know, on a Thundercast Live or something mm -hmm. like that. So that's just cool, man. I've got a few pictures from that day and, and it's, it's pretty neat. He's just, is he was a nice guy, nice, nice fella, um, a humble dude. And, um, you wouldn't know that, you know, he was about to rip off 1800 yards <laughs> <laughs> that season, but, uh, it was pretty cool. That was either going into 2014 or 2015. I don't remember. might've been 2015 too, but whatever the case may be, that was pretty cool. That's a pretty cool fan day moment for me. Well, if, Nothing comes up that, you know, is unplanned. I plan on being there. So, you know, if you see a, see somebody walking around in a Thundercast shirt, that's probably what I'll have on. Stop and say hi to me. Uh, finishing out football, it was announced last week that they brought in analysts Mark Snyder, Bud Foster, Chan Gailey, and Tom Bratton provide a little bit of analysis for uh, the team. Didn't say they were going to be staying longer than that week. I'm assuming it was a short-term deal. Don't know, you know, can't really uh, have over a certain number of coaches. So I'm sure they just brought them in for a short time and they've done what they're going to do and they're moving on. Yeah, I'd say that was kind of like a consultant type deal. Mm -hmm. uh, come in and evaluate what we've got on the roster right now, where our strengths lie where we might be able to take advantage of some mismatches. And let's face it, man, for all your feelings about what Mark Snyder was as a head coach here, he still fielded incredibly competitive defenses. Uh, he had some very, very good defenses at other stops, particularly at Ohio State. I mean, he gained the reputation as one of the finest defensive minds in college football leading into his hiring at Marshall for the head coaching job. So to bring him in to take a look at your defense and see where you might be able to make some moves here and there, get a little bit of advice from a guy like that. And Bud Foster, I mean, do, do you need to talk about what Bud Foster brings to the defensive table? I mean, my Lord, year after year after year, Virginia Tech's defense was ridiculously nasty. And uh, I was surprised that, you know, he didn't get the nod when, when uh, Beamer retired. I thought for sure, like, man, this is, but Foster's got to be like, uh, everybody's got to be calling for him to get this gig. So that was surprising. But, um, you know, you bring in some guys like that, a couple guys on offense, a couple guys that look at your offensive scheme and, and your players and, and what you're trying to do and, and some fresh eyes and fresh ideas can only help, right? 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like we're desperate or anything like that, but you're talking about NFL coaches, like major coordinator position type coaches. This is just, uh, the, it's a good move. It's a good, it's not a slight on anybody. If anybody, mm-hmm. if anything, I'd say our guys were like excited to be able to sit down and pick the brains of these legendary coaches. You know, it, that's a, that's a cool thing, man. I was, I, that, I wasn't expecting to see anything like that because I'd never seen anything like that before out of Marshall. So that was cool to see that. That was really cool. Here's what it shows me that Coach Huff is fearless. Uh, he's got a good plan uh, to do that and bring some people in. But to say, you know, no, I don't mind bringing someone else in, you know, someone that may come in and turn over the apple cart, say, I want to – I want to say this and it's against your scheme or whatever, you know, to me, it's all about, Hey, I want to be the best. I want to win. I'm going to bring him in. I don't care. You know, you're bringing in now. He had some ties there with Chan Gailey, I think in Buffalo, uh, talking to NFL, not college. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, you know, I, I would say he had ties to a lot of these guys or someone did and they brought him in, but you know, I don't think he was bringing in. Yes, man. He was bringing in some, true consultants like you're saying to how can we maximize this roster and our schemes and what can we do and i'm just telling everybody look out yeah look out they're all in you can tell they're they're all, you only get one chance to make a first impression right this is the first impression in the sunbelt conference and marshall wants to go in like gangbusters mm-hmm. i mean why would you want they, they got an incredibly difficult home slate with appalachia state coastal carolina and louisiana all coming to Jonesy Edwards Stadium. So the pressure is on for them to perform at home, right? Because you, you're you not supposed to be able to walk into Jonesy Edwards Stadium and just win a game as a, as a visiting team. So to have three of the top-tier teams in the Sunbelt Conference come into our house, you have to perform at home. You have to. So you it, it just behooves you to do all that you can to put your best foot forward and try to get ahead of anything, anything. Right. And you said to round out football, I've got one more thing that we've got to toss into football before we move on to another sport. And that is uh, Marshall received a commitment from class of 2023 place kicker Levi Paxton. He's from Elkview, West Virginia, uh, committed a couple of days ago. He's uh, playing his ball up. He's about to enter his senior season up at Herbert, Herbert Hoover. He was a first team all state kicker in uh, class AA last year as a junior so heading into the senior season already with first team nod under his belt. So nice pickup, I would tend to think. Rated uh, number one kicker by Coalfields and Company. So if you, if you follow West Virginia high school sports or football particularly, you, you've heard of Coalfields and Company. So um, pretty high accolades. Nice pickup for the herd, I would hope. Taking it over to the links, both women's and men's golf released their out-of-conference schedules. Uh, I know you've got a little bit of thoughts on that. I mean, I do. It's not thoughts, really, as, as more so some a couple of dates. Men's golf season is in the book. It's not in the books, but it's on the books. A total of 12 events they're going to be participating in. The season opener is uh, first weekend of September, the second and the third. And uh, if you're interested, the full slate is available on Herd Zone. I just wanted to talk about when the season actually kicks off. As far as women's golf goes, uh, it's 10 events for the ladies, five events in the fall, five more events in the spring. And their opener will be the Jennifer Duke Invitational in Cincinnati. 
September 12th and 13th. So if you like golf, go out and check it out. We're going to uh, talk now about soccer, take it from the links to the pitch, and both uh, exhibition games for the women and the men turned out really well. The men blanked a very good Rio Grande team at Rio Grande, and Matthew Bell, the freshman attacker, scored two of the four goals. Really good showing. Last year, uh, it was a draw between the two of those. Rio Grande is very good in their division. Uh, they are one of the top teams in the nation in their division. So to go up there and just utterly shut them out and score four goals, very good showing. And from all accounts, this is possibly the deepest team, uh, top to bottom, that Chris Grassi has had since he's been here. Well, I mean, that's a dangerous thought. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you've already won it all. And if you're potentially even deeper now, that's a, that's a pretty scary thought. But yeah, uh, four, four nothing, that's a good way to start off the, uh, start off the year. Got to dig it. Uh, Both of Bill's uh, goals, by the way, were unassisted. So uh, Milo Yosef got one uh, very late, and also Ryan Holmes got one off an assist. But Matthew Bell, both of them unassisted, that just tells me, man, he's uh, he really is an attacker. I mean, mm -hmm. that's that's how he was listed. But <laughs> but you're brought here to do. I'm glad you're good at it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, so coming up, right? Uh, what is it? Tomorrow is tomorrow. Tomorrow. Tomorrow, yeah. that's right. Uh, exhibition game against Radford at Hoops Family Field, seven p seven fifteen, and uh, we gave tickets away to that earlier this afternoon. So hopefully, uh, when I or earlier this evening, when uh, I log off from doing the show, I'll check and see if uh, we've gotten a response from the winner of the tickets. So congratulations, to Chad. Uh, is it Chad Bays? Chad Bays. Yep. Chad Bays. Yeah, he won. He won the drawing, and you got two tickets waiting on you, man, to go to the game. So. Um, don't let them slip. Game's going on with you, whether you're there or not. <laughs> Women's soccer, they won theirs, like I said. It was against EKU, and it was at home at Hoops Family Field, and they won four to, not, or four to one. So, again, great showing by both teams. They also play tomorrow, but theirs is at Louisville against uh, Bellarmine or Bellarmine. Mm -hmm. so, uh, anybody in the Louisville area – uh, hope you had the foresight from what we had said last week that you'll show up and go to the game because as you listen to this, it will have already been played. Yes, and I should say uh, that the home opener for women's soccer is it will be against High Point on Thursday, August 18th. So we won't record another show before that happens. Mm -hmm. So here's your opportunity to hear this now. And, and actually Akron 821 as well. Both of those games at Hoops Family Field. Uh, Thursday against High Point will be a 7 p.m. affair. Akron on August 21st will be 1 p.m. And we will also be giving tickets away to both of those games as well. So keep your uh, eyes open to the Thundercast Twitter page for when we make announcements on uh, how you can win. And uh, we're giving these tickets away. They're great seats, by the way, man. I mean, we're, we're down low. you got a nice place to sit, row three, right on the aisle. So I tried to make some user-friendly seats to get in and out of the stadium really easily and uh, get a nice view of the action. 
So we'll be giving tickets away to every home men's and women's soccer game. So if there's games going on that week, we're going to be having tickets to give away. So pay attention. Follow us on Twitter at Thundercast underscore pod. So you cannot, so you do not miss your opportunity to win tickets to these games. All right. Softball added transfer outfielder Erica Holt from Michigan State. So we lost uh, in the transfer portal. And then we gained a lot in the transfer portal. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, entire, the, the entire outfield, as I understand it, at one time were all in Big Ten schools. Uh, I can't – I think it was Michigan, Michigan State, and Purdue. Yeah, we've talked about the transfer portal giveth and the transfer portal taketh away. And softball has hit it hard. And we've talked about it a lot. They had a lot to replace from a production standpoint. There's a fair amount returning, of course, but you know, anytime you, you lose the tally of home runs that, that departed, that's a lot of runs and a lot of run support for your pitchers. So they had to do something and, and they really did, man. They went out and recruited the hell out of the country, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw the tweet from uh, head coach Megan Smith Lyon after the announcement or quote tweeting this, Uh, Heard softball account tweet about Erica Holt transfers in, and she said the family's complete. So I wouldn't look for any more moves to be made. It looks like the 2022-2023 roster is solidified for her softball. But a couple of notes on Erica Holt, transfer outfitter, which you mentioned from Michigan State, uh, hails from Santa Ana, California, so all the way across the country to play some softball. Bats and throws left-handed. Uh, appeared in 16 games with two starts for Michigan State in 2021, only four at-bats on the season. No stats in 2022, couldn't find her on the roster. Don't know really what's up with that. The, the last place I could find her on a roster, uh, official roster from Michigan State was 2021. But, hey, um, she's got some time to play, got some Big Ten experience. So, Come on in and uh, round out the recruiting class, the transfer class. The 2022-23 roster is now what we believe to be solidified, and there is a lot of pressure. 20-1 and last year at home, or 19-1, and whatever it was. A lot of pressure to to keep on winning. So all these uh, fresh faces in Huntington, West Virginia, you you, you walked into a place that a lot of teams don't want to come and play. We here at the Thundercast are going to be expecting some – really high quality play when you're in town and we're going to do our best to get butts in all the seats to make sure you have a packed house over there to put on a show for and coach smith lyon says that this team is going to be drastically different than last year's team she said they'll still hit home runs but they have seriously upgraded or should the defense and they will be a faster team, a better defensive team, just a more well-rounded team that does not have to rely on the homers as much as last year's team did. And it doesn't hurt bringing back top pitcher of the conference, Sid Nestor. Sid Nestor. All right. Unless you got anything else, that's all I had for taking it around the herd. Yeah, one more thing uh, of note, women's basketball released a non-conference schedule, so the entire okay. uh, basketball, women's basketball schedule is now complete. It'll be, um, it's on herd zone, so you can go check the entire thing out. They will open their season at Purdue, and then they'll take part in the Savannah Invite Thanksgiving week. And then one note, one game of, one game of note for me kind of personally 
Um, on December 14th, they're going to come down and play a game at USF, which is 15 minutes down the road from me. They'll be playing at the Yingling Center. So if I'm able, maybe I'll go check out the Lady Herd down here in Tampa when it when it will undoubtedly be 90 degrees 10 days before Christmas. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but that's the last note I had for Around the Herd. If you don't have anything else, let's get some parting words and get the heck out of here. Yeah, so uh, my parting words is I want to thank everyone again for all the listeners uh, and the feedback that, that we're getting. Our numbers continue to grow, meaning that people are finding the show for the first time and listening all the way through. I've had several different people message me with that fact. Hey, just now started listening, but I am now working my way through all of your shows. We cannot thank you guys enough. Without you, we don't have the fun show that we enjoy putting on. It sure is a hell of a lot of fun. And I really think it's going to kick up a notch, uh, at least in personal fun level for me, when we start bringing on video, uh, talked to my son last night who asked me yet again, when are you going to start doing video podcasts? And I said, well, it's soon, man. We're trying to, we're trying to get things looking good, you know, just pump the brakes Holmes. And, uh, so I think it'll be a little bit more fun when we can do that and 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 people get a little bit truer of a sense of uh, <laughs> like some of the faces that, that we make at one another when when we're talking about various things. But uh, I'm really looking forward to uh, Thundercast Live and what that could potentially mean, not just for the show, but for the uh, experience that we can bring to herd fans that can't make it to a game so that they can get a little bit of a taste of Huntington, West Virginia on a game day, especially when you're already longing for football season anyway, and you know that you're not going to be able to make it to Huntington. I feel really good about being able to fill that void for people, uh, at least to a little bit, you know, to give them a little bit of energy, give them a little bit of what game day is at Marshall. I'm just excited about that, man. I, I think that's going to, uh, bring my enjoyment level from from a personal standpoint just way up with with this show and i'm already having a hell of a lot of fun doing this uh, i gotta say thank you again like i try to do every week to 304carwreck.com for helping us bring this show to the masses as those masses continue to grow and our buddies at ignite link for standing behind us in such a big way, not only with this show sponsoring five things, but also helping us power what is going to become Thundercast Live. Um, it, it's it's just you can't talk enough about having uh, sponsors and partners that that believe in what you're doing and um, are invested in not just from a financial standpoint, but invested in helping you put out a quality show. So we we just. You can't, it just becomes uh, not good enough to say we appreciate it. You know, it, yeah. that, that, that doesn't convey the point, you know, and, and, but I want those guys to know that we really, really do from the bottom of our heart appreciate what they're trying to do and help us doing this for herd fans. It, it just means a whole, whole lot. So Russ, take us the heck out of here and we'll get back to, uh, get back next week. All right, whether you see us at the Joan, whether you see us at the dot with a little bit of dot magic, if you see us over at the cam, or maybe you see us cracking open a brand new country herd logger at Thundercast Live, wherever you see us, we're going to be saying, go herd. Go herd, it's the Thundercast. We'll see you next week. Later. Later.